This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. If you look at some of the maps, the, the hardiness zones for the entire United States have been going up. The value of native plants for not only pollinators, but birds and our larger ecosystem. I'm interested in learning more about edible perennials. I was hoping to do that this weekend, but it looks like it's only going to be in the 50s. When it comes to NOMO, it's really important, especially for like, you know, your flowering plants, the little violets and things that pop up in your yard. Just leave them. It's no accident that spring is a noun and a verb. After spending those winter months plotting what you'll plant when the weather's right and how splendid it'll all look and smell and taste, home gardening is nothing if not an experience that springs with life. Except, perhaps, when you plant the wrong thing at the wrong time and your efforts end up just about as brown as the dirt you tried to grow it in. I'm not speaking from experience. Well, here to help us understand the way weather and climate in the St. Louis region affects when and what we home gardeners can plant and expect the best, i.e. living and thriving, results, we welcome to the studio Daria McKelvey, (laughs) supervisor of the Kemper Center of Home Gardening at Missouri Botanical Garden. Daria, welcome back and thanks for coming in today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Daria, this time of year, my mother-in-law is getting very busy in our yard. Uh, It is a a pride and joy for her. And it's because she does have a green thumb. And it's one that she's been using for well over six decades now. What kinds of plants, ornamental or edible, do seasoned gardeners typically get started at this time of year? And we're going to come back to typically shorty. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of options for good spring plants. Um, you know, now is a good time to start planting your shrubs, even though they're not going to be flowering right now, but it's a good time to start planting those uh, late or summer blooming shrubs. Um, you can start planting some of your hardy annuals. Um, let's see what else. Uh, some of your perennials as well. Uh, if you have to do any dividing, like your hostas, things like that, that's now is a great time since things are just starting to get going. And dividing? Yeah, so if your patch of hostas or other some of your other summer blooming perennials are getting a little out of hand, maybe too big, like the patch is too big, you can go in and dig out uh, sections and then either you can transplant them to other parts of your Ah, yard. And so you've got more hostas. (laughs) Now, just last month, I talked with Mike Beicher, uh, Matt Beicher, from the local National Weather Service office. And we talked about weather patterns and climate change. He explained the difference between weather and climate as weather being the mood and climate being the personality, meaning weather patterns change rapidly and frequently, and climate changes happen more slowly and over time. What do these changes mean for gardens, Daria? It has a lot of implications. So for the bigger climate change, like, uh, you know, that's over decades, um, what we're concerned about is, you know, our temperatures are going to start warming up, which 
in a way that might be beneficial because we'll maybe be able to grow more plants. But the problem is, is that you also start getting other plants that shouldn't be up here moving upwards. So problematic pests, diseases, invasive plants could also come with that. Mm. Um, it also means that there's a concern that if we start warming up, there's going to be a disconnect between pollinators and the plant time that plants bloom, okay. especially for our natives. So that's a really big concern. So there's some confusion sort of that happens then? or Yeah. So like plants, for the example, the pollinators, the plants may flower out. Maybe they all bloomed around April, let's say, for example. Mm -hmm. But if we start getting warmer, maybe some of those plants actually start blooming earlier. And then, but the pollinators are not emerging at that same time. So there's going to be a big, big disconnect for right, right. pollination. The discrepancy. Mm -hmm. Different plants do well in different conditions, obviously. So this mm -hmm. much we know. As I was getting ready for this conversation, I learned a bit more about plant hardiness zones and how they determine which plants may do best by location and average annual minimum winter temperature. Yes. Um, but as we've just experienced one of the warmest Februarys mm -hmm. on record, that average is sure to change. Have there been any changes in our region's plant hardiness zones um, relatively recently? And what does that mean for a home gardener. Yes, they have changed. So probably about 30 years ago, St. Louis was probably closer to a 5B. But now, uh, if you're in the county, it's like more of a 6A and within the city, 6B and maybe even 7 in some places where it's a little bit warmer. And if you look at some of the maps, the, the hardiness zones for the entire United States have been going up. Mm -hmm. So we've been moving up, getting warmer. So like I talked about, that could have implications for pollination, uh, flowering, and what we're able to grow. And how many years does it take to understand like how those hardiness zones are changing? If I recall, it's about at least 20 to 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's a long term. Mm -hmm. um, the Missouri Botanical Garden has an annual list called Plants of Merit. Mm -hmm. The the name of that sort of cracked me up. <laughs> now, these are, are plants that grow consistently well in Missouri, mm -hmm. central and southern Illinois, and the Kansas City metro area. Mm -hmm. Now, as I understand, the list for this year is not out yet, but in 2022, plants like meadow sage, which is a really pretty bright purple, and devil's tongue, which is also purple but grows a, a big cone-like spike that mm -hmm. goes straight up and looks like what the name suggests, these were plants of merit. Daria, what is the criteria by which you judge something um, a meritable plant? Gosh, it's it's done by all of us at the or a lot of the horticulturists at the garden. We look back at the plants that have performed well. They can tolerate our you know crazy weather. They're durable. Um, they're relatively easy to find. Uh, you might have to go online for some. Um, you know they have uh, aesthetic quality, mm -hmm. and overall they just are great for our area. So we and we've tried them for multiple years within the garden to say, hey, this is something that is really you know does a fantastic job mm -hmm. in the home garden. Now we've seen a lot of rainfall lately. Um, are these plants of merit overall good at handling a lot of moisture at once, or are there certain ones that are are better with that? Um, you know, what could be damp to some and sog mm -hmm. to others? It does depend. There are some plants on the list. They have certain growing requirements. So some like moisture a lot, some don't. So you just have to find the right spot for them. So far, I looked back at the list and most of them are doing pretty good even now years down the road. Mm -hmm. 
I'd like to invite our listeners to the conversation. If you have a question or comment about this topic, which is uh, best plants for home gardens, especially given what's happening with our weather and climate, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air. You can also email us at talk at stlpr.org. And, you know, how much advance notice can gardeners get on these you know, weather and climate changes such that they're not getting their hopes up and then, you know, buying plants that are not likely to thrive in their yards? So it's hard to, of course, predict the weather. You probably can only get a week out on that. But we always strive to say plant the right plant in the right place. Mm -hmm. Match the plant to your growing conditions, and that will set you up for success um, so that you don't have any too many surprises. Mm -hmm. In your time uh, here in St. Louis and or as the supervisor of the Kemper Center, are there any common um, mistakes that people make um, whether it is about the timing or the plants that they choose? Yes, uh, there's a lot, a lot of errors I've heard, but one of the biggest ones I get is um, planting your tomatoes out way too early. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I've gotten calls, calls people planting their tomatoes out in January, which my heart skips a beat. Um, your tomatoes transplant seedlings should not be out actually until May, probably around Mother's Day, because oh. they are so sensitive to frost. Like we're about to drop to the 30s this weekend. Right, You right. put those out, they're going to be toast. Okay, so there's no way to, if if some of us have put them out, is there any way to protect them? You can. There is. A, you can get like a frost cloth or like a sheet, don't use plastic, and try to protect them that way. Or if you're still able to move them back indoors, like if they're still in some kind of pot, do so just to be on the safe side. Okay. We are getting out of that frost window, but it's still kind of iffy right now. Yeah. And why not plastic? If the plastic uh, freezes and touches the leaf, it actually can damage the plant's uh, tissues. Oh, so you okay. want to avoid. That's why it's something like an old bed sheet or works just fine, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are there any other non-edible plants that people um, are, you know, they often want to plant maybe for aesthetic reasons and they really should not be doing so? Um, I would say probably anything invasive. Um, one of the other plants I've heard around the town that have been planted are laurels. I know they're beautiful plants, but the only problem is, is that they are marginally hardy, like getting back to the hardiness zone. And okay. we'll come back to that after uh, this break. When we come back to St. Louis on the Air, we'll continue this conversation about gardening smart within the STL region. Welcome back. I'm Elaine Cha. We're talking about weather and climate's effects on home gardening with Daria McKelvey, who's the su supervisor of the Kemper Center of Home Gardening at Missouri Botanical Garden. Before the break, Daria, you were talking about 
uh, what many folks misplant, and that's that being laurels. Can you continue what you were saying about that? Sure. Yeah. So I've heard that a lot of people in the area have been planting laurels, uh, particularly skip laurels, which are nice plants. But since we're talking about climate and and weather, um, the problem with those is that they are marginally hardy, so they can survive in St. Louis. But if we get a really nasty wet winter, they can uh, have some severe damage. And so I think that's what a lot of people in this region are seeing right now. Their skip laurels have gotten a little bit toasted from the crazy weather. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's not, maybe not worth the the labor that it takes to plant them since they very likely may not last. Right. It's yeah. The, yeah, that the hardiness is a little bit questionable uh, if we get a really rough winter. So mm-hmm. I would probably opt something opt for something that's a little bit more durable in our region. Mm-hmm. Such as? Uh, other evergreens, if you're interested, like, you know, of course, yews, boxwoods, um, hydrangeas, any other shrub that where the hardiness zone is, our hardiness zone, zone six mm-hmm. is kind of in the middle of its hardiness zone range. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, whether climate and plant life all play a massive role in the greater ecosystem and even our micro ecosystems in our yards, Vicki Bootwell of Oakville has a question about the right time to set out tasties for her butterfly friends. I would love to plant my milkweed and my bee balm and everything else I put in my monarch butterfly garden. I was hoping to do that this weekend, but it looks like it's only going to be in the 50s. So I was wondering when is it safe to plant uh, milkweed and other plants for pollinators? Oh, that's a really good question. I would say start towards more the end of April and uh, getting closer to May is a good time because, like I said, we're getting closer to walking away from the cold temperatures or potential. So the temperatures are going to be much warmer towards the end of the month, and that will set them up for success. Mm-hmm. If she had planted them, would that old bed sheet trick work for milkweed as well as it it would for tomato plants? Yes, that would give them a little bit of protection. Mm-hmm. And I would also encourage if you've already planted them to water your soil that helps trap a little heat better. So that could also be done to help them out. So if you have a question, uh, as Vicki did, I'd like to invite you to the conversation. If you have a question or comment about this topic, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. Daria, as much as we might want to attract pretty pollinators like butterflies, changes in what we grow in our gardens and the weather, which is something that you mentioned earlier, can also change the pests and illnesses that will wreck or, or toast, as you've used, um, our plant babies. What are some signs of something wrong, and how can we keep them from killing what we've planted? So if in the case, I would say for native plants, for example, because that's when association with pollinators is most heavily focused, is um, planting those plants, you're going to attract those beneficials. And you also have to recognize, too, with those native plants are going to come some pests. Like, for example, people love milkweed. She, you know, the caller wanted to plant milkweed. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have things like aphids. And that's OK. Yeah. That's part of the ecosystem. So it's recognizing not only our beneficials, but also the other plants that share in that same connection with our with the plant as well. Mm-hmm. Now, earlier you had mentioned the best place for plants. I'm going to make sure that we touch on that before we move forward. What does best place mean? It depends on the plant. You want to find a good location 
that suits the growing conditions. So for example, if a plant likes dry, rocky soil, uh, that's the kind of environment if you should plant it in. If it likes wet soil, if it does like to have if it likes to have its feet wet all the time, that's you should choose a plant for that area. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we all have our likes and, and differences. That's, you know, you have to match it to make it us happy. Right, right. Now, the weather today, we were talking about, uh, it's pretty nice today. It's warm, yes. partly cloudy, but from Thursday through the weekend, it is going to get pretty chilly. Um, on Twitter, Tess Yocum said to her fellow STL plant people, I was going to buy some ferns and a few flowers this weekend, but should I hold off with the colder temps in the forecast? Yes, I would say the ferns would you know, could potentially be damaged. So I would wait until next week when temperatures kind of warm up a little bit, and then really you can get uh, planting a little bit more. So we have Rose with a question. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air, Rose. Thank you. Thank you. I'm wondering about the plants of merit, and I would like to know how many of them, or if it's a qualification, that they be native plants. Gotcha. The plants are not required to be native, but it's just plants overall. Both It's actually a mix of native and uh, cultivars that have just proven themselves very well in, in St. Louis. And it goes back to, like I think, earliest 1999, 2000. So we've done it, for the most part, almost every year. Mm-hmm. Kath- and uh, probably oh, sure. on, the list, on the list, does it identify the natives? It may not say it straight off there, but you can also look it up on our Plant Finder website, and it will show you whether it's native or not. Perfect. Thank you very much. You're welcome. We've also got Kathleen joining us from St. Louis. Kathleen, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm interested in learning more about edible perennials, you know, plant them once and harvest many years, right? So I know about herbs and like asparagus and whatnot. What other suggestions might you have? Gotcha. Um, unfortunately, I'm having a few tro- troubles coming up with some right now, but I this is an area that's getting a lot more traction. So I think that if you do a little search for um, native or edibles f- for St. Louis or Missouri, I'm sure you'll be able to come up with uh, some options. Okay, thanks. And we also have Anne on the line from Rolla. Anne, welcome. What is your question? Thank you. Um, I your guests talk a little bit about the value of native plants for not only pollinators but birds and our larger ecosystem and the um, benefits that we get when we choose a native species over something that's um, not really native to Missouri. Right. So the value of native plants to insects and birds and other other pollinators that are, are larger um, and part of the larger ecosystem? Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, native plants are fantastic. I mean, they're like it was, we were talking about this climate thing. They are adapted to our region. They are, you know, really tough. They can tolerate a lot of uh, uh, all of our conditions, and they don't require as many inputs. Um, you don't have to do spraying. Um, and once they're established, they don't require as much moisture. moisture. So I do encourage you um, to plant native plants um, in your area. And we even have a list on our website of those that are more well-behaved for especially urban conditions um, as well, if you want to check that out. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a member of our Facebook group named David, who had asked about um, newly grown plants in the context of, of the, the colder weather coming mm-hmm. this weekend. When is it safe to move seedlings 
from um, indoors to the garden without worrying about frost. Gotcha. I would say, again, it's, uh, I would say towards the end of April when temperatures are a little bit warmer, I would not do this that this weekend. I would wait until after and just keep an eye on the weather. Keep looking at that 14-day forecast, and that should give you a good uh, time frame for that. Mm-hmm. And I do want to remind you all that that Facebook group is open and it is public. Join us. Just search St. Louis on the Air, and that is where we can talk about plants and all kinds of things. There used to be a time, Daria, when you could literally follow the calendar to know when to get wrist deep in some dirt (laughs) or to tend to certain plants. On the Botanical Gardens website, there's even a few tips like do not prune boxwoods before April 15th. And another is apply crabgrass preventers before April 15th. So is knowing when to spring into action in gardens still that simple, um, especially given weather and climate changes? It can be. Um, that is a good baseline to kind of look for or some, uh, something to shoot for. It can vary depending on the weather, but yes, I would still say that those still hold true. April 15th is our average annual frost date, so you don't want to cut uh. boxwood back too early because new growth could get damaged. Mm-hmm. And for crabgrass, by this time, that that stuff has already started sprouting, so you might have to change your options for getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. Is there really a too late time to start seedlings? So, um, you know, we had talked about tomatoes, Mm -hmm. and this is, uh, I think, a a very popular fruit. Yes, it is a fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You mentioned tomato mistakes by planting too early. What about starting as seeds? Our senior producer, Emily Woodbury, um, and I'm sure many others are wondering. Yes, there can be a time for too late, um, like sort Cool season crops like your kale and vegetables uh, now are are fine to start, but if you start them too late in the summer, they're not going to do well because the the heat is just going to zap them. Okay. So it, it is important to do uh, to follow timing guidelines for planting seedlings. So you don't want sun dried tomatoes when that's not what you were intending. Right. Exactly. What are some of your favorite plants and crops to start around this time of year, Daria? Oh wow, such a hard choice. Um, I would say I, I, there's just so many, you know, perennial plants out there. Um, I, like I said, I, I love some hydrangeas, particularly the um, oak leaf hydrangea is just one of my favorite. It has so many great characteristics, and it's one that I don't think it's used a lot, but it mm. has beautiful flowers, fall color, interesting bark, and you don't have to worry about a freeze nipping the buds. It's going to flower reliably every okay. year. No. We were talking earlier, I was asking if you were from St. Louis, and you are not. Um, What were some of the things that you maybe liked to grow, or you saw people growing in Texas, in that panhandle Mm -hmm. area where you lived, and some of the things that you saw once you came to St. Louis? Yeah, it's very different. Um, In West Texas, we are dry, so we plant for heat and drought tolerance. So things like, and I know in some areas this might be invasive, but lantana is one that we really recommended because it just does very well in heat. Um, There's also a Texas sage that just every time it rains, the flowers pop. Um, Just a lot. Um, There's also even some grasses, a a festuca cool as ice, little clump, bluish green grass, great for an edge. And that thing just performed very well. So um, some of those you can grow here, but um, there's definitely a lot more moisture in this region. Mm -hmm. So the focus is different. So you grow for a living. Do you grow at home? 
I, uh, I live in an apartment, actually, so I do grow um, the house plants and I do have a vegetable garden plot. Okay. I always say that the garden is my garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, are there any bits of advice that you have for people who do not have yards mm-hmm. but would like to plant particularly something that is edible that they can grow out of a a box reasonably well. Yes, um, you. If you don't have a lot of room, uh, if you're in an apartment, you can do hydroponics indoors because it actually it can create. You can have a light system set up, and you can grow vegetables like leaves and, I mean leaves, <laughs> um, <laughs> lettuce and other vegetables that um, th- that don't require a lot of maintenance. There's all different kinds of hydroponic setups, or uh, you can find a grow light cabinet. There's all different kinds of options, um, but also you can consider getting into a community garden. There's many around town, and that's what I do. And it allows me to grow some of those other summer vegetables like tomatoes and squash that I can't grow in my apartment. Mm -hmm. Now, for the brown thumbs listening, and I'm not ashamed to admit, you've got two uh, very brown thumbs and ears (laughs) right in front of you. What are some easy plants to get started uh, this spring, Mm -hmm. maybe in the month of what remains of April and then in May? Um, like I've, one of the top is uh, radishes, for example. Those only take 30 days to grow, and they're very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually quite a bit of the uh, cool season vegetables are very, very easy. Um, and there's a lot of nursery plants, um, small perennials that you can try. Again, it gets back to that right plant, right place. Um, I don't think everybody has a brown thumb. It's just, again, finding the right plant for, for your yard. And there's now a, a trend called No Mo mm-hmm. April to help native plants living for pollinators. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that is something in this last minute that that can help with... growing other things in your in your garden? I, I do. Um, I, when it comes to Nomo, it's really important, especially for like, you know, your flowering plants, the little violets and things that pop up in your yard, the, cl- the spring beauty, you know, just leave them. You know, they actually are providing a little nectar source to, you know, pollinators. I think that's a great benefit. Daria McKelvey is supervisor of the Kemper Center of Home Gardening at Missouri Botanical Garden. Thank you for springing in for this conversation. Thank you for having me. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association 
committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.